that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the lake. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly since there's no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell amongst thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. The parable of the sower, or lots of different ways of thinking about it, as if you've had a look at the Clayton newsletter for this week, I looked at it as the parable of the seeds, but... But the parable of the sower is what Jesus calls it later on in the gospel and a few verses later. It's the only one that we have an actual title for that we haven't just inserted ourselves. The parable of the sower. And it's quite obvious that the sower, for whatever reason, sows seed everywhere. And we're given four types of soil as a way of describing that it's everywhere. And it's clear from what Jesus says later on that God is the sower. And it says that the, Jesus says the seed is the word. And we've often, because we're very literate culture, and we've been waving the Bible around for 2,000 years or nearabouts, we easily assume that the word is words about God that are written in the Bible. But that's not the way the New Testament understands it at all. As we know from the Gospel of John, Jesus is the word, or the logos, or and, and the word might be the wrong translation for us. It's more that Jesus is the idea, or the interesting thing, or the newness. There's lots of different ways of trying to figure out what the word logos, which is the Greek that we translate into word, might have meant. But what is clear in this par- parable is that Jesus is the one being sown. So the goodness of God, the presence of God in the world, is how we understand Jesus is sown everywhere in the world. But the parable doesn't just say God the sower came out or the sower came out and sowed seed everywhere. There's specific detail, a lot, in fact a lot more detail than you'd think would be necessary if all you wanted to do was let it be known that the seed was everywhere. Which in itself is an extraordinary thing. That God is present in the world everywhere, all the time. But there's four, four different ways of looking at what's going on. The first is that the seed is sown along a path, which is soil. It's good soil, but it's soil that's been invaded, if you like, and been turned into something else. It's soil that's been taken control of and is no longer functioning in the way it ought.
We could think about this as God having sown God's self, the goodness of God, the word of God, the logos, into the life that you are leading that maybe you shouldn't be. You know that idea that so many people have of, there's a sense that I have that I ought to be doing or the kind of sense that I ought to be living a different kind of life, but I'm living the life that other people have set for me. There's all rules that are kind of, I don't even understand them. I remember when my sister was a young girl, I've only just realised this in this moment, that when my sister was a young girl in primary school, I remember her coming home and saying how frustrated she was about what she was allowed to do and what the boys were allowed to do because she was a girl. She'd been given, and I'm sure all of the women here could have many more stories than this, but there's rules. Nobody's written them down except if you're paying people, and then we've got that written down. We'll pay you less, by the way, if you're looking for a job and you're a woman. But, you know, we don't mean to. It just, of course we mean. That's what's happened. There's rules about how you're supposed to be, and you have to fit them. But it wasn't who my sister wanted to be. At that point, I can't remember what it was, but whatever it was, she wanted to do that too. But that's not what girls do. And I can remember it dawning on her that girls and boys were different. She knew that. But the girls and boys were different in what they were allowed to do. There's a world that was being set up for her to live in, which wasn't the world she wanted to live in. She was being asked or required to be a kind of person that she didn't want to be. It's the life that other people have set up for you. What if you're the person who's been the good boy or the good girl all your life, done the right thing, obeyed the laws, kept kept out of trouble? I remember doing a funeral um, some years ago for a man I didn't know and so I had to go and talk to the family and ask them and they couldn't tell me anything interesting about this man. Now, I don't know whether that's because they'd forgotten or whether he'd never done anything interesting, but they, even the smallest of things, they, they, they couldn't come up with stories about him. As, it's as if he had sort of disappeared into just doing the job that a father and a husband had to do. Everyone else had set the agenda. I had a friend who, was, uh, who became a, a surgeon, but he had always wanted to be a musician. And it wasn't until much later in his life, it, it, all, all the family were doctors, you know that story, um, it wasn't until much later in life that he had felt he needed to have the courage to live the life he wanted to live. So he stopped being a surgeon, but I, uh, I assume he was a good surgeon, but he stopped being a surgeon and f- discovered what it was like to be a musician. God sows God's seed, the word of God, the the willingness of God to be in the world, the the joy of God, even there, even in the life you don't think you should be living, even if your spirit is being eaten away like the birds taking the seed, even in that land. And also in rocky ground, because rocky ground is like proto-soil, isn't it? It's soil that isn't yet properly soil, it's still mostly rocks. Eventually, the rocks will break down and become part of the mineral part of the soil that will grow things. It's sort of almost soil. It's soil with potential. And we've often been in that situation and we where we're going to. Now, one of these days, I'm going to add whatever it is to it, as if we've got all the time in the world. One of these days. Well, why is it that you're always going to do it? Because we're, we're sort of living a, a con- conflicted life. Is it possible that God is present even in those 
desires and dreams, some of them a little bit foolish. We wouldn't really want to tell anyone that we've always wanted to or that we're, we should be. And some of them are the fantasy life in which we spend some of our time, some of us, when things are bad, most of our time in another life, the life where I'm shorter or taller or thinner or fatter or richer or more talented or living with, in a nicer house or with nicer people or whatever it is, that fantasy life. That's the life that we hide even from ourselves. We certainly hide it from other people. I remember being at the bedside of a man who was dying and he told me that he had written some of this interior life into his diaries and he was embarrassed that they might be picked up by his children and others and they would sort of know something about him that he'd hidden all his life. It wasn't as if there was a sort of a, a set thing but there was just the way his way of thinking about the world, the daydreams and the fantasies he'd lived with and he'd written them down and he wanted me... Uh, to tell them I don't know why he couldn't do it himself but he wanted me to tell them to destroy them without reading them well you can imagine how that went when he did die and I'll bet when they did read them you know what they read? same stuff that they would have written down that they'd been in the same kinds of fantasies of another life this story says God is sowing godness the presence of God, the joy of God, even there, even in those bits of your life, my life, that we hide from others and even maybe from ourselves. Even soil that's not yet, not yet good soil. And then there's the third one, which is sowing amongst the thorns. Well, it must be okay soil for anything to grow in it. It just so happens that it's growing the wrong thing. It's, in a sense, it's pseudo-good soil. It looks okay, but it's been overwhelmed by a kind of destructive urge, thorns that will do damage. And this is, I think the sense that within us is that strong sense that we often have of, of trying to kind of fit in amongst the way things should be done, not so much to do what we're told, the good boy or good girl syndrome but much more the kind of idea that um, we can live in the moment with the fashions and the fads and the kinds of um, the, the kinds of things that sort of help us get through it's the life that where we constantly fill it up with things some people fill up their lives with watching too much television I don't know how much too much is, but if you're thinking you're watching too much television, then you probably are for you. I don't know. Uh, uh, some people fill up their lives with, with reading. But the thing I see lots of people in the church fill up their lives with is being helpers to other people. They're constantly doing things for other people. And when you try to find out who they are, and you say, well, how are you? They, and I was in a meeting just, just this week on Zoom with a woman who is classic like this. You wouldn't believe the amount of good work she does with the refugee asylum population of South Australia, particularly at the moment when a, a number of those people who are allowed to work don't have work but they can't access JobKeeper and so on and so on. And when I said to her, as I often do, how are you? 
She'll tell me the next thing she's doing or has just done. I don't know anything about her life at all. She never tells me anything, and I'm not the only one, that, that anyone in our little group that's, that's been meeting will say the same thing. And there's that sense of she, she is doing good work, but you wonder, what is she trying not to do by doing that? What are the things I am trying not to do when I'm spending too much time working or I'm spending too much time fantasising about another life or I'm spending too much time watching TV or reading a book or whatever it is, or housework. You know, you know that you're putting something off when your house is incredibly tidy and clean, don't you? And if you go into somebody's office and the only thing you can see is everything neatly lined up, you know that they've got something to do that they're trying to avoid doing, so they're doing something else. It's like when you're a kid and your mum and dad says, go and do your homework, so you go and tidy up your room, and you say, look, I've tidied my room. I've done a good thing. You've been asking me to tidy my room for six months, and now I have. I've put all the washing in the washing basket. Have you done your homework? Ah. Avoiding that. Even in that situation... Maybe God is putting God's goodness everywhere. Even in the worst of ourselves, even in the bit of ourselves, what the psychoanalyst uh, Jung, uh, Carl Jung called the shadow, the unconscious, the side of ourselves that kind of does tell us how to do things, but we don't understand it. It's kind of unconscious uh, uh, movement forward. So it's, it's often a sense of you've got to keep doing something in order to avoid looking at yourself and facing yourself. Even in that, this story says God is sowing God's goodness. So in all of these three things, it's possible to recognise God's presence, even if we only recognise it kind of intellectually, even if we don't experience it. It's there all the time. That's what the story says. It's everywhere. In all the bits of our lives, all the little antechambers of our life that we want to leave alone or we don't want to tell others. And then, of course, there's the last one where it's all good. The good soil. The place where we always want to be. The place where we sometimes are for some days. Or sometimes are on some part of a day. doesn't last that long, does it? That sense of completeness of being present in the moment, of being kind of deeply connected. And it can happen at all different times and you ought to pay attention to it because it's, a, it's glorious and it's about who you are. It might be that you've finally finished producing the meal that's going to serve a group of people that you love and you want to have come together. Before they eat it, before you do have to do the dishes, just that moment of it's done. I've done something of, of meaning and value. Because the good soil is not good morally, like the good boy or the good girl. Good soil is good functionally. That is, its goodness is within itself. It, 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 it's innately good. It just is. And of course, it's not hard for us to see God present in those moments, is it? You could also translate the good soil as the good earth. And, of course, the good earth reminds us of the great story of Genesis when God made everything and said it's good. God is spreading God's self in us everywhere, in all bits of our lives, the bits we like and don't like, the bits we acknowledge and don't acknowledge, the bits we bring out into the open and the bits we don't. And the other way of translating it is as the beautiful earth. 
the beautiful earth. How would it be if you spent the rest of the day knowing and telling yourself in various different ways that you are beautiful? Now, most of us are good Protestants and uh, good Anglo-Celtics and we know we're not supposed to sort of say anything like that about ourselves. You know, it'd be nice if somebody else every now and then did, but we, you know, that's just big noting us. What if it's true? And I think it is. I think that's what God is saying. What if you spent the rest of the day, what if I spent the rest of the day not doing my usual stuff of beating myself up for not doing this, not getting that right, forgetting this, not being responsible, uh, responsive to this person and responsible for that job. But all of those may be true. But going through the day saying, I am the beautiful earth. I am the place where God is alive and present. So be it.